Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. And now, here's our pastor, Cornelius Phillips, with today's message. Uh, those of you that are standing, if you will, remain standing. Those of you that are sitting, if you will, stand with us one more time, and I'm going to let you sit down for a couple hours about that. Amen. I heard my wife holler. She's watching us by live stream today. I, I, she hollered when I said that. She said, Corn, you better not do that. Uh, amen. Pray for Judy. She's she's at home, not feeling well, so she's not able to be here today. I miss my wife when she's not sitting on the front row, uh, giving me hand signals. Amen. So uh, so I miss that. Hallelujah. Take your Bibles this morning and turn with me, please, to the book of Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians chapter six. Second Corinthians chapter six, and we're going to begin reading with verse 14. I've really debated on this this morning, but I feel Holy Spirit has impressed it in my spirit. So how many of you know the Word of God is living and powerful? Amen. It is transforming. It will transform your life. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning with verse 14. Everybody got it? Say Amen. If you need me to wait, say, hold up. Amen. Do not, everybody say, do not. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst. King James Version says, Therefore, come out from among them. And be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you, Father, that your word cuts and divides asunder soul and spirit and joints and marrow. Father, I release myself, this vessel, I release it to you this morning. This, this voice that you've given me, Father, I give it to you now. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you will speak through me. God, that the power of your word will go forth with passion and with the anointing. Thank you for the lives that are going to be touched. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for standing <clears throat> I want to, there's, there's several different angles that I want to 
come with this word this morning because God's just been dealing with me concerning so much. And I, I was on this scripture where he talked about do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And so many times we apply that scripture to the, the aspect of marriage. And we, we try to encourage our sons or our daughters uh, not to marry outside of their faith. And certainly this can be applied to that. I think it's important that we recognize that, that, uh, that to be unequally yoked, uh, Paul was simply saying that when people are unequally yoked, that there's always a strain. There's never a relaxing. There's never a working together. Uh, if you take uh, uh, two animals, different animals, and yoke them together, one of them will want to go one way and the other one will want to go the other way. It's important, and I'll just go ahead and plug this in because I've got daughters and I've got some, some great, fantastic, awesome son-in-laws that God has blessed me with. But I still got some that, that are in the hunt. And so, so I just want to go ahead and plug this in this morning. Uh, Mom and dad, you need to encourage your sons and daughters if they have been raised up in a Christian home and taught Christian values, you need to let them know that it is extremely important not to go outside of that uh, circle and find a man or a woman who is an unbeliever who, or who does not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ because it can create struggle. But Paul said that it's important that we recognize not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And, and so here's what I want to uh, real quickly get to this morning. Because I believe in our nation today that we're seeing more and more and it's coming out on a daily basis that it is getting more and more difficult for the church, for the believers in the Lord Jesus Christ to walk together with people that are in the world because it seems that now that lawlessness has been unleashed across our nation. It seems like never before just within the past 10 or 15 years that we've never seen like we've seen just an onslaught of hell that is coming against uh, Christianity and coming against uh, believers across this nation. It seems like that every time we turn around, there's something else that's coming up. We talked a few weeks ago about Title IX and, and the impact that, that uh, the Federal Department of Education is trying to push across uh, on our children uh, concerning gender identity and things such as that. We're seeing more and more now where even Disney is coming out with more and more direct attacks against Christianity and against the church. It came out just a few months ago 
of the agenda that has been being pushed and being brought together by uh, the entertainment in the industry to intentionally uh, infect your children and my children with ideologies that are totally against the Word of God and totally destructive. It seems like more and more that we're seeing these things are beginning to come about. And now we're seeing more and more how that our nation is coming under a, a siege and an attack of, of, of people that are trying to take the identity of your children and turn it into something else. And friend, it is nothing more than a perverted idea and a perverted ideology that is being pushed not by people but being pushed by the demonic powers of hell. Why is that that we're seeing that today? It is because, ladies and gentlemen, that the Bible tells us that there's a spirit, there's a power that is holding back that is holding back the darkness of this world. It says uh, that there's a power, and you can look at it in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. That, that Paul said this, he said, for the mystery of iniquity does already work. The mystery of iniquity is already at work. The, the, the power of the lawless one, the antichrist, the anti-Christian spirit has been at work for hundreds and hundreds of years. Paul said that mystery of iniquity, that mystery of iniquity that is opening the door for the end times is already at work. But I want you to notice the second part of that verse. It says, only he who now lets will let until he be taken out of the way. Everybody smile real big. Let me see your grill. Come on. It's not the end of the world. Paul said the mystery of iniquity is already working. The spirit of Antichrist is already well in play and well at work. But he said there's something that is holding back the, the total onslaught of hell. Only he who will now let, only he, let me put it in my words, only he that will hold it back is yet holding it back until he be taken out of the way. So what was he talking about? Paul was saying this. And there are many different ideas about this, but I believe that what Paul was talking about was that the church, the firstborn from the dead, those that are born again believers and children of God are those that make up the body of Christ, the church. And Paul said the church is the only thing that's standing between hell and you. In other words, Paul said that the spirit of Antichrist, and you can read all of this in that chapter, that the spirit of Antichrist is already at work. The demonic powers are already working. Things that have been going on for thousands of years, uh, ever since Satan fell from heaven, he's been working, plotting and planning and strategizing how to get to the place to where he can take control of the most precious thing that belongs to God, and that is men and women of God that love him. 
And the Bible says that, that Satan has been working and moving and plotting and planning to make that happen. And friend, it is getting closer and closer as we see the end of time approaching that, the, that the, we're seeing an onslaught of hell. It is no wonder today that, that Hollywood and, and our government and all of these uh, entities are coming together to try to pervert the mindset and the thinking of our children because the devil knows the power of the seed. He understands that if I can rob you of your seed, I can rob you. If I can take the seed, the holy seed that's been planted in your children and twist it around and pervert it, he said, I can destroy the most precious thing that belongs to God. So no wonder that in our educational system, no wonder in every area of our society are our children coming under an attack from the enemy to try to pervert, try to destroy their lives. And so it's important, ladies and gentlemen, that we understand the hour that we're living in. I'm not up here today to, to uh, put you in a depression. I'm up here today to let you know that listen, let me let me say it like this. She ain't here. Listen, last week, Sister Diane Johnson, she's Miss Diane, are you in the house? Yeah, I think she's working. Listen, last last week, last Wednesday night. We, we had Wednesday night service. It was one of those services where I walked out and I said, man, that didn't make any sense. Uh, I confused everybody. I heard an amen somewhere. <laughs> but I confused everybody and, and nobody understood what I was saying. And I was frustrated with myself when I left out and all that. Late, I think it was late Wednesday night, uh, I got a text from Sister Diane. And she was sharing with me about how that word that we spoke Wednesday night had such an impact on her life. And she said, thank you so much because it was a word from God that I needed to hear. And she began to tell me the reason that she needed to hear that word. And as she began to tell me, she began to, she began to just kind of open up and vent to me that the feeling of frustration uh, because she's, a, she's an intercessor and she's a prayer warrior. And she said, I've been praying and I've been seeking God and I come out on Sunday morning when I can and I'm praying and asking God to move and, and to touch this nation. She said, but pastor, every time I turn the television on or every time I hear news, I'm hearing more and more about how messed up and what bad shape our nation is getting in, and it is seemingly moving further and further into a place of destruction. And she said, so for, for so long I've been struggling. God, do I even pray for the nation? Do I even pray for the United States of America? Because it seems the more I pray, the worse she gets. You ever been there? You pray about something, it seems like the more you pray, the worse it gets. 
The more you cry, the worse it gets, and it seems like your prayers are hitting the ceiling and bouncing off. And, and so while she was, while I was reading that text, I found myself saying, huh, yeah, I'm kind of there too. Because it seems like that, that there's such an onslaught of evil and the church is not seeing any headway. But as I was reading that, Holy Spirit began to speak to me. And God began to speak to me and he said, Son, don't forget that I didn't come into the world and die for nations. I didn't come into the world and give myself for governments. He said, son, I came into the world to give my life for men and women who were on their way to hell. He said, son, don't forget that I am the one that left the 99 and went out to pursue that one. And God spoke to me, and he said, don't ever lose sight of that one. He said, because that is why I came and suffered and died on the cross of Calvary. Because there was one lost sheep that was out in the world. And he said, that is the one that I came for. He said, don't worry about praying necessarily for your nation, but pray for that one. Because we are in an hour now where the one has got to come in. And when the one comes in, heaven is going to rejoice. Listen, I'm not saying stop praying for your nation because I believe that we have a power that's holding back evil from totally corrupting and coming into this nation. But I am telling you this, don't get your eyes caught up on trying to pray a nation that is backslidden and turned its uh, back on God from turning around. But get your eyes on those that are lost. Get your eyes on your neighbor, your sons and daughters, your aunts and uncles, and your friends in your community and say, Father, will you send revival to the house next to me? God, will you do a work in the house over there? All right, listen, and I got to hurry. So I began, to, I began to think about this being unequally yoked together and how we, we try to fit in. The church has tried to fit in with society. Christians have tried to fit in with society, saying if I can fit in, then I can win them. But what's happened is that the church has fit in in society, and society has won the church. Because you see, I still believe that it is the anointing and the power of Holy Spirit that changes lives. It is not programs. And so to save time, God began to deal with me. And he said it's, it's becoming more and more difficult for Christians to remain silent. It's becoming more and more difficult for people 
just to blend in to their surroundings. And the Lord spoke to my heart and he said, son, there is, there is quickly coming a time when Christians are going to stand out like beacons of light in the midst of darkness. That Christians are going to stand out, those that refuse to bow down, those that refuse to give in to the systems of this world, that they're going to stand up and they're going to shine like bright lights in the midst of darkness. And immediately my mind went to the book of Daniel. And I'm going to try to save time. But in the book of Daniel, most of you are familiar with Daniel the prophet. Daniel the prophet wrote about 600 years before Christ came. Daniel was one of the most prolific prophets in the Bible. He wrote with such accuracy and such detail to the point that many people have tried to discredit the book of Daniel as being a fraud because of the detail that Daniel wrote with. Daniel prophesied things concerning kingdoms that would rise and kingdoms that would fall in the earth. He did that with great detail. Daniel prophesied of, of uh, the 70 weeks, and most all of us are, con- are familiar with the 70 weeks and, and uh, the, the end of time and, and the seven years of tribulation. Daniel prophesied all of this stuff. Daniel prophesied that there would be a, a, a period of 70 weeks 490 years that God was going to do a thing and that at the end of those 70 weeks, Daniel prophesied that there would be one, we know him as Jesus, that would come on the scene and he would be killed and give his life. Prophesied of one that we know of as the Antichrist that would come. And wreak havoc across the earth. Daniel prophesied that uh, when the nations came together and the decree was made to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. That that's when the time clock would start. And in Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah, the decree was given by the king to Nehemiah to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the city. And that's when Daniel's prophecy began to take place. And for 483 years, uh, that prophecy played out. Daniel prophesied that at the end of of, uh, this 483 years, that there would be one that would come into Jerusalem. And and that uh, this this one that would ride into Jerusalem or come into Jerusalem would be uh, uh, for the healing of the nation. 483 years later, Jesus Christ rode in the streets or through the streets of the city of Jerusalem, riding on a donkey, entering into the city of Jerusalem. Daniel had prophesied that he was going to die with all detail and and great uh, accuracy. Daniel was prophesying. 
Daniel uh, sets up, uh, it's said of the book of Daniel that Daniel is the skeletal uh, system of all Bible prophecy because of his accuracy that he prophesied with. If you don't believe the Word of God, if you don't believe that the Bible is real, just do a simple study on prophecy, and you will find out that prophecy in the Bible is detail after detail after detail, and it is exactly right, written hundreds and even thousands of years before it ever took place. God had men of God, men of old prophets that would prophesy and write these things down of the plan of God for the future. And they were very detailed. So to make a long story short, Daniel prophesied all of this about the coming uh, Antichrist and the coming one world government and all of that. It was prophesied by Daniel. And, and I was thinking about all of that. And, 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 and all of a sudden, God began to uh, remind me, said, son, I want you to go back to the three Hebrew children in the, in the fiery furnace. And I want you to go back to Daniel being in the lion's den. And as I went back to those passages God began to deal with me, and this is what he began to deal with me about. He said, Daniel prophesied concerning the end of time. Daniel prophesied concerning the last days that were coming. He said, but what most people are missing, son, is things that are going to be happening that are going to lead up to that time. And one of those things was in Daniel chapter 3 of the three Hebrew children. Their Jewish names was Hananiah, Azariah, and uh, Mishael. That was their Jewish names, but we don't recognize them by their Jewish names. We recognize them as being uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But what we don't realize is that when uh, they were brought from Jerusalem as captives into the city of Babylon, that the king of Babylon and the system changed their names. In other words, uh, their names, Hananiah, meant Jehovah is gracious. Mishael meant belongs to God. Azariah meant Jehovah will help me. That was the names that they were given by their Jewish parents. Names that, that described an aspect of who God was, but more than that, it was a name that would direct their children's lives. But when they were taken into captivity and they came into Babylon, their names were, were changed. Shadrach, is a name that was inspired by the god Aku. Meshach is a name that was inspired and it meant that I belong to Aku. Abednego is a name that means I am a servant of Aku. Aku was a god, little g, that was worshipped. By the Babylonians. As I began to read that, I began to see that what happened to these three young men, these three teenage boys, 
was they were taken into captivity by a foreign government. And they were, their names were changed because this foreign government wanted to change their identity. No longer are you going to identify with Jehovah God. Now you're going to identify with the gods that we worship. And the Lord began to speak to my heart and he said, that is why there's such an attack on the young people in our nation now. It's because they are trying to change the identity of our children and the young people of our nation. Because the enemy knows if I can change the identity of the younger generation, I can change the whole trajectory of a nation. So it's no wonder. And listen, I'm not anti-government. But I'm going to tell you today that when you get a politician in the White House or the house up there in Montgomery or whatever house he or she might be in, that when you get people in elected positions that are anti-God, that are pro-abortion, that have no concept of God, no concept of relationship with God, they will begin to make decisions. And all of these others come in and begin to make decisions that are uh, uh, destructive to our children. I know it's kind of quiet. Because you say, oh, pastor, you're getting political. No, I'm tired of being quiet about it. I'm, I'm tired. Listen, somebody's got to open their mouth. Somebody's got to stand up in the midst of the darkness and say, no, I'm not going there. And I'm not telling you that you need to get on Facebook and call everybody, uh, tell everybody that opposes your position that they're going to hell. I'm not saying that you got to get on Facebook and begin to bash everybody because they're not of the same political party that you are. But I am telling you, friend, that it is time that if you are a child of God, you need to begin to let your little light shine so that everybody around you will know that I am a child of God. I am born by the blood of the Lamb of God, and I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So to make a long story short, uh, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael were in the king's house their names had been changed. In other words, they were called by a different name. But here's the thing about it. They were called by a different name, but they still responded to the name they had been given earlier. So the story goes that the king erected an image. Listen, everything in our world is being is leading up to an image. So they erected an image. The king did and said, "Everybody that that uh, is going to bow down to this image." See, that's the whole thing that the devil wants. He wants people to bow down and worship him. Why? Because he hates God so much. So, so 
you guys have got to bow down before this image. So the, the story goes that, that here they are, and, and, and when you hear the sound of the, of the horns blasting and all of that, everybody in the room's got to bow down. I can see them as they're gathered there on that day, and, and, and the king's standing there, and he's proud of this, this image that he erected. Here's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego standing there. The sound of the horns and the cornets and the flutes and all that begin to sound, and everybody else bows down. And, and, and Justin, you and Noah and, and Destin stand up. Or, yeah, that's fine. Just stand up. You ever been in a room? You ever been at church? And you're so caught up in the spirit and you're just worshiping and all of a sudden you open your eyes and you turn around and everybody in the building has sat down but you. You ever, you ever been there? Or maybe you were standing on the front row and, and maybe you're in an auditorium or something and, and you, you come to yourself. And you turn around, everybody has sat down. You're the only one that's standing. Now, I'm kind of reversing the roles on this because I want you to get what I'm saying. The music was playing. Everybody else bowed down. Three young men stood up. They stood up and they stood out like a sore thumb. The system of the world was enraged that these three young men, that they had worked so hard to change their identity, they had worked so hard to try to redirect their lives and redefine who they were, but there was something about these three men that though they had changed their names, though they had tried to redirect their thought life, and though they had tried to redirect everything about them, there was something about these three men that it did not work with. See, that is what's going on in our world today. And friend, it is not, listen, it is not a time to bow your head in depression and, and, and struggle and loss like the battle has been lost and you have lost the war. I'm telling you, friend, that it might have looked like at that time while they were standing up and everybody else was bowed down, it might have looked like that they had lost the battle. But I want to tell you something about men and women of God that know who they are and that have established that my identity is not in the system of the world, but I belong to one whose name is Jesus. Here's the thing, and, and I'm not going to take the time to go back and read it. You can read it in Daniel chapter 3. They came to him and they looked at him and they said, 
apparently, they were southern. They said, apparently, you didn't hear the music. Apparently, you wasn't there when they said, when you hear the music, you got to bow down. So because you didn't hear it the first time, we're going to do it again. Maestro gets his little thing out and says, these three are still standing. I want you to get what I'm saying. Jesus didn't die on the cross for the church to compromise with the world. There is coming a day when your faith is going to have to be loud. Your faith is going to have to be out. There is coming a day when you will not be able to say, There's coming a day when you are going to have to identify yourself as a man or a woman of God. It's getting more and more and more. So the second round of music, they're still standing. The king was furious. The king represents the system of the world. That's the reason that people have been pushed in a corner, that they're afraid to say, I don't believe that. They're afraid to say anything about homosexuality or perversion or anything like that because they are afraid that they're going to get taken to court. I'm just being real. School teachers in our public school system are afraid to say anything about the junk that's going on in the school and all of that because they know that they would possibly lose their job. But I want to tell you something, that it's getting closer and closer that you are going to have to draw a line and say, it doesn't matter because I'm going to stand up for Jesus. The king was furious. He told his men, he said, go down and and build a fire in the furnace and make it hot as you can get it because I'm going to burn these three guys up. One of the spokesmen for the three Hebrew children was probably Justin. The king said, I'm going to put you in the fiery furnace. Justin looked at the king and said, do whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to do, go ahead and do it, O king. 
because he's going to be God with me going in, and he'll be God with me coming out. The Bible says they threw them into the fiery furnace, and the fire was so hot that the men that threw them in perished with the fire. You guys can sit down. But here's the awesome thing, and this is why I say don't hold your head down in the midst of all the adversity because the Bible says that as the king was standing back watching them to see the flesh begin to melt off their body and the clothes begin to burn off of their body, he said, who is that other guy in there with them? He said, didn't you just put three men in there? And they said, yeah, we put three in there, but there's somebody else that has stepped into the fire. And, and I believe it looks something like the Son of Man. And listen, that's the reason that I'm telling you today, ladies and gentlemen, had they backed up and compromised, they would have never experienced the power of the fourth man in the fire. But they made a stand for Jesus, and they said it doesn't matter what the world does. It doesn't matter what the system tells us to do. We're not going to back up. We're going to stand for Jesus. And I want to tell you, when you stand for Jesus he will always stand for you. But God forbid that you ever find yourself standing without Jesus. Oh, my goodness. Spent too much time on the fire. But I want to make it real, real short. Daniel was the same way. And I want you to understand that these four individuals... This Dan, the, the book of Daniel is the only book, prophetic book, that is written with the stories of individuals like this. Why was that? Because I believe that God was saying in the end of time that there's going to be an assault against the identity of the younger generation to rob them. But I want to tell you something about the younger generation. The devil might assault them, but there's going to be a revival that's going to take place with the younger generation. The young men and the young ladies, they're going to rise up and they're going to say, hey, I know who my God is and I know who I am. The Bible says that Daniel... The administration of that day, those within the administration had made a decree. Nobody can pray to anybody else, O king, but you. There's nothing in the Bible there that's recorded where Daniel said anything about that decree. He didn't open his mouth. He didn't get on Facebook and run them down. He didn't make any ugly tweets or anything like that. The Bible says that Daniel didn't open his mouth when they made that decree. But Daniel simply went to his prayer room. And his windows were open toward Jerusalem. And the Bible says that three times a day that Daniel got on his knees before God and began to pray again 
hell was infuriated at the audacity of this individual that we had put so much time in to change your identity and redefine who you are and you are still going to stand in opposition to the dictates of the world and bow your knee and pray to a God that cannot hear you but the Bible says that to make a long story short they took Daniel and they threw him in the lion's den because he wouldn't bow up and he wouldn't change his mind but listen can I tell you something that when you stand for Jesus he'll stand for you the Bible says the old king went down early that morning uh, maybe expecting something bad to be there but he called out and Daniel said oh king live forever I'm here and I'm still alive because my God put lockjaw on the lions and they couldn't do anything to hurt me I'm telling you this morning that when God finds somebody that's not willing to compromise but is willing to make a stand for him, he will shut the mouth of the king of the forest and deliver you. Amen? I wish I had about another hour on this and I could bring it all together, but... I want you to listen as the worship team comes. I give you this word this morning because I feel today that there are people that perhaps are in this room that the world, maybe even people, have tried to redefine who you are. They tried to redefine what God has called you to be. But I want to tell you this morning that there comes a time in our lives. That if we're going to experience positive change, we have to cut the ties with things that we have been yoked to that has been unequally yoked. There comes a time in our lives that we have to recognize that the relationships that we have, the crowd that we run with, are doing damage to what God wants to do in my life. And when we come to that place, we have to make up our minds like the three Hebrew children. Do whatever you want, but I'm going to stand up for Jesus. See, God's calling people today to stand up. He's given you a mouth to speak with. He's given you a new heart. He wants to do a work in your life.